listening to Blue Yonder with your hosts, Jim Jones, Peter Streets, and introducing Aaron Hubbard. I just feel kind of bad. It's like I kind of lost my fucking faith in Inception. <laughs> lost Why? your faith? You become an Inception know. apostate? No, it's just no, not at all. Like I, I, I felt that I had the true faith, and <laughs> did you see it again? A, I did not see it again, but I read some of the reviews that Jim was giving me, and I think I have a serious flaw in my concept of what limbo is which is what okay well before we get into this i think we should run down a couple things for the audience just so they know like where we're coming from what we're talking about um first of all hardcore mega fucking spoilers if you don't if you haven't seen this movie or you want to see it again without knowing everything forget about this cast turn it off right now get out of here yeah go fuck yourself in a corner because this is not the (laughs) cast for you or just uh, listen to another Power Play or Blue Yonder episode. No, don't even do that. Get off our site. Go away. <laughs> it's just too tempting. <laughs> Actually, just go see Limbo first. I mean, Inception. But... <laughs> um, okay, second <laughs> of all, uh, everybody calls Leo's character Cobb. We have been calling him Dom. That's his first name. Mm-hmm. So if we use that, don't get confused. Well, we interchange like Dom, Cobb. Leo, Mal, Mal, Mel. I mean, <laughs> yeah. we, we're, we're pretty fluid. If we're fluid. close to the name, it's probably the name. Yeah. Um, yeah. I still don't know all the names of the characters. You'll pick them up. Yeah. Um, and the last thing is we need to talk about which level is which because we're going to refer to them probably by number, I would guess. And yeah. a lot of the charts that I've seen have reality as number one. And the first dream is number two. We don't do that. That's we go, fucking stupid. If you buy the first levels being reality, then f- go. You know, fuck. Then your it's life. not a level. Exactly. Yeah. It's dream layers. So first dream layer is the van and the kidnapping, and that would be level one or layer one. Uh, second one would be the hotel. Third one would be the golden eye snow level. Uh, <laughs> and the stack. And the depending facility. on which theory you subscribe to. Uh, number four is either Limbo or Dom's Dream. Dom DeLuise. <laughs> I would say that that was my theory at first. And then level five and would be... That level that five mode. wasn't necessarily a level because it was outside of the level hierarchy. Yeah, you just got it Limbo. Was in, it was just Limbo. Limbo, yeah. like reality, is not a layer. Just like reality shouldn't be one... Limbo shouldn't be five because reality and limbo are like the opposite ends of the cake leveling system. Well, we'll just say that number four, One, regardless one's like of which infinite theory, awareness and, and truth, and the other is the infinite abyss of dream. <laughs> okay. Well, we'll just say that layer four, regardless of which theory you subscribe to, is the city um, where all of his prior homes were, his apartments and their old house and stuff. Yes. Um, and where the dollhouse with the safe is. Yeah. And that's what supposedly 
people are saying that was limbo. And I have some serious problems with that. I still do have problems with that. I do too, but I'm, I'm, it, it's, I was running some of this over the gym last night and there's, I think there's a few, maybe I need to see it one more time to wrap up some of the inconsistencies in limbo because I had, I've got some things that I think, you know, well, let's just this is the wrong time to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. How, how are we going to approach this? Because it's... Well, I mean, let's talk about uh, well, Peter's theory think... first. Okay, yeah, yeah. Let's, let's run down... Let's just go theories. around the table and we'll go Peter, maybe uh, Jim. Because Jim and I see eye to eye, 90%. And then I can talk about the difference between Jim and I. Jim and I's Jim twin. And I. Uh, so, the, yeah. Uh, the constellation. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. <laughs> I'm a Gemini, guys. No. Give them the chocolate. What I, uh, I guess, if I'm starting, here was my original theory and idea. After my first viewing, now bear in mind, all our listeners know that they haven't seen it, they should go away. So I'm just going to take for granted that everybody listening has seen the film like I have. And I have seen the movie just one time. And... I'm looking forward to my next viewing because I'm definitely going to see it again. I've been wanting to see it again for days since my first viewing. But initially my idea was this is too easy. I know exactly what's going on here and this is what's going on. The entire fucking story. That should have been your first clue. (laughs) This is too easy. Yeah, right. Well, here's why I thought it was easy. This is what I thought was going on. Um, and I'll tell you why. I thought the whole dream or the whole movie was taking place inside Dom Deloise. No, Cobbs. Dom, Cobbs Limbo. Dom, I thought Dom. that's the that's the big thing, folks. Guess what? Rise and shine, fucking dreamers, because the entire thing is in Cobbs Limbo state, and this is why. Because when they're on what we all agree is level one of the dream sequence, when they're riding along and it's this intense moment when they realize this guy they're trying to pull this inception job on has a very sophisticated and militarized and trained professional subconscious that's highly defensive and armed in the dream trying to kill them. They don't expect this, and Cobb's character, when one of the guys gets shot by this militarized subconscious, he's like, oh, we'll just, oh, fuck it. We'll we'll take him out of the equation, let's just kill him, and he'll wake up. And then Cobb's like, whoa, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. If you shoot him at this level of, since we're drugged with this special drug that's going to allow us to go down layers in a stable way, since we're that deeply um, under the influence of this um, sedative, when you kill someone that's been introduced to this sedative, they will not wake up. They will go directly to limbo. And limbo was, everybody, when they heard that, was like, oh my god, no. Oh, we're stuck here and all this stuff. And it became really tense. Very good scene. But the entire deal with limbo is, is that you may not wake up. You may become... A, a coma. You may go into a coma. You basically. will wake up. You just will not. You it may will take not an sur- extremely you, long time. You, you may you, not survive the toll. You may go mad. 
Yeah, and I've also heard, you know, that that described by that one actor in the film that it's possible you'd go into a coma. Um, so, I mean, it's not a good thing. You might be, your mind might actually just stop working. You know, it's, it's, right. it's very, it's kind of very loosely defined in the movie as to all the ramifications of limbo, but it's, it's definitely presented to you as a bad thing. Like nobody wants to be there because who knows if you'll ever rise and, and see the re- real world again. So that's a so if it wasn't if it was just another dream layer that somebody could splash water on your face and wake you up from it wouldn't have been a serious threat and it sounded to me like it was a very serious threat that may endanger your life. So nobody is asking Cobb at this point how in the hell he knows that. Nobody. And when I was reflecting back on the movie, I was under the impression when him and his wife were together in that shared state when they were dreaming up their world and living in it. And he gave us the exact time period. He said that like one second in the real world was, you know, long enough to live, you know, years in, in the depth that he went with his wife. I was under the impression they were not sharing a limbo state, that they were creating this shared reality based on the rules of dream layers and that they were actually going deeply, deeply down, so that when he convinced her to kill herself in the dream to rise above to reality, that they actually sent themselves into limbo. Because if you're so deep and you kill yourself, according to what Cobb just said, you're going to go to limbo. So him and his wife were very deep, and they killed themselves, so wouldn't that mean that they would have gone directly to win, to the limbo at first this bothered me because i thought oh my god it's a big contradiction in the film because clearly we couldn't have the plot of the movie even happening on screen in front of us right now if killing himself with his wife on the train tracks caused them to go into limbo and that pissed me off until i was like oh haha wait a minute that just is him telling the people paying attention that the entire movie is in leo's limbo state and there is my original thoughts. And that's the biggest thing that I thought of when I left the film the first time. So what do you see? Because I see there's two problems with that theory. But what what you, you say you've since realized there's a fatal flaw of the theory, too. Well, Describe that. Put, okay, let me, let me... This is a conclusion. That's not a conclusion, actually. It's something that I'm identifying as a flaw in my plan. Because... If that were true, apparently I was actually in a dream state of some sort during some parts of the movie, (laughs) because during the interviews that I've been reading, apparently at some point in the film it's described that Limbo is in fact a... is either... well, maybe not always, but can in, in fact is presented in the film as being a shared state of dream so while Cobb was warning everybody they'd go into limbo he was telling everybody that if you shoot them well not necessarily that but that they would be in an individual limbo as I understand limbo would be an individuality totally off the network of shared dreaming it's your own deep sleep and it can only be singular that was my impression that's why I thought what I thought 
but apparently it's mentioned at some points during the film that limbo can be shared even you know even though it seems like because i'm thinking about work groups and networks for computer yeah. systems It'd and it's shared by it, everyone connected by the machine well i was going to say the shared. main thing that shows that in the movie is that they talk about um how it will repopulate with whoever has been in limbo like all the things that they create in limbo will be repopulated into limbo again um and then they say since you're the only one who's been dom it would be yours so it's yeah, it's definitely a shared space for sure. See, I see the I see the limbo as kind of being like the loader mechanism of Matrix, that uh-huh. like everybody that's connected into that particular node or you know by the dream machine, when they if they're in a deep state and they die with under I think it's I think it's the deep sedation is what does it. Yeah, it has. Um, be. Because what happens in my mind is you should wake up. But you're so deeply sedated, you can't wake up. Yeah. So your brain, instead of waking you up, it wakes. It, it's, it sends out the response where you think you're woke up, so you're out of the dream. But there's no place for your consciousness to go, so it just goes to the, what they call the unstructured dream states, where no architect has set something out. Your brain hasn't gotten any kind, you know, because it's not a natural state. It's just this blank kind of, you know, they they call it the. You, you, didn't they say something about you wake up on the shore of limbo? Yeah. Because they always show a metaphor of people waking up on, in, in the shore. Being washed up. Yeah. Being washed well, up. Yeah, washing up on the shore of limbo. Um, right. So it's like that. everyone connected to the same machine in the real world would end up in limbo if everyone died one by one. That's how I took that. And that's another piece of my evidence, Aaron, is that I I strongly feel that each time they were showing Limbo, like in the beginning of the film, they start the film the way they end the film, and that's famous for Nolan ever since um, um, Memento because he sure. likes to tell the be- the beginning and and have it be the end. He likes to tell right. things in reverse, and he did the same thing when he started the movie. The first shot of the movie is Leo's character in the ocean, you know, kind of with sand and space, on the shores of Limbo, and they show him again arrive on those shores after what we have all called the fourth level, that city house level where he was talking with his wife and he actually took um, the chick, as I call her. What's her name? Uh, Ariadne. Yeah, Ariadne. Elaine Page, right? Elaine Page. Page, yeah. Ellen Page. Um, so she went with him to that fourth level, but only after she got kicked up all the way to the to the what was supposedly reality and left Cobb behind, did Cobb then jump off the building, kill himself, and then arrive on the shores of Limbo. Which I dispute that. I, I dispute that version. I have a very hard time believing that that's true as well. But... I understand why you're saying yes. it and why people can think that. Yes. Um, well, and, and, else? well, I actually feel like the movie does point to that being exactly correct. However, there are a couple things that don't jive with that. Like, for instance, um, what I just mentioned about them saying that your consciousness will, or your subconscious will repopulate limbo with whatever you've created in it before. Well, the only time we ever see anything that is 
that similar is when we see the the city and the apartments and the homes of Dom and Mal. Um, and and in fact, I believe that when they say that, they have just washed up on those same shores. The only thing is, if that's true, literally, then why? And we all agree that where Sato is at the end mm-hmm. is limbo. Yeah. Why yeah. wasn't that? Why was that just a lone fortress? Why wasn't the lone fortress there and all of uh, Cobb's bullshit too? See, I think I'm actually starting to think that Cobb had never been to Limbo. What they refer as true unstructured dream space limbo. Wait, wait, wait. Then that because you're right. I mean, it's inconsistent. If when he went to go to Saito's limbo, which is a shared limbo space, he should have. I, I, there's two things. My problem is they got the limb. They got to the quote unquote limb, limbic level um, in the in, in the movie. Him and Adria, uh What is her name? Ariadne. Ariadne got there together by hooking a dream machine to themselves on level three, the Golden Eye Snow Fortress. Yeah, and and going to sleep. <laughs> And, and descending at level. I dispute that you can get to fucking Limbo Why? just by going, okay, Why? so every time you go four levels deep, you're magically in Limbo. Possibly. That's, what that's, what is that's in the movie dumb. that says that that's not true? Because the fact that they were that if they died on the first level, they'd have gone to Limbo. Okay. To me, it's dying under sedation that gets you to Limbo. Yeah. There's, other, here's, that's, think... there's two other bombs I need to drop on y'all. Um, All right. I think... One of my theories is that Leo or that, that Dom and his wife, Cobb and Mal, died twice. Once as young people to get the limbo, and once as old people to get out of limbo. Because that neatly explains why in one flashback they are young people, and in another flashback they are old people. That would actually mean that their city could be limbo. Yes. And that level four could but I think that what level four is is Dom's personal conscious that has not been like you saw his consciousness that he had built as a prison for his wife's I, projection. Yeah. When 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 they he was experimenting or testing the the dream drug, he says it's the only way he can dream. I don't know if that's true. I think if he dreams natural sleep where his wife is part of his subconscious, his guilt runs rampant. And he hasn't carefully constructed cells for it to live in. That that looks like limbo. I have because a big his, problem with and, that. Because... But but he's also it reflects the derang- how deranged he is because everything's in disrepair and is falling apart. Sure, and I can see that. Or that that disrepair could also mean that he hasn't been there in a long time. However, I have a big problem with that because it throws out things that are definitively stated in the movie, like. Um, well, for one, we haven't talked about it yet, but it throws out the ring. Mm, to- so? It totally ignores the ring. My version? Yeah. How? Because well, the ring I is a big... Well, maybe, maybe, still let, let's talk yeah. about the ring's importance. Yeah, because well, there's two... No, no, I wanted to say, like, why... Why would they go to the trouble of establishing that rule of limbo that everything repopulates if they were not going to use it? Well, the is other thing the is, is the other thing is, I don't know. I, I need to see the exact quote because I don't know that it says what you're saying. It does. It absolutely does. Well, I, mean, I just don't know. So you might be right. I don't okay, remember. I don't remember that quote at all. Like, well, I, period. <laughs> I am not 
making it up. It it does it there. does seem like that's a really odd thing for them to say about Limbo that you know and then not use it like. But it doesn't. It is not consistent with the fact. Like I said, I, it, it, it seems is like because Arthur tells him, like Arthur says, Dom's the only one that's been to Limbo, so it's obviously going to be his. His limbo will populate it. Like well, the other thing is, the other thing is, like I don't want to get into the whole, you know, Christopher Nolan because I don't believe Christopher Nolan uh, misleads the audience. However, a case could be made that, as far as we know, only one person's been to limbo. That's Dom, and no one really knew what the fuck was going to happen. Okay. So he could easily just be wrong about that. But I, my my bedrock, and I haven't heard anything to convince me otherwise, is you can't get the limbo just by going deeper into dream levels. Why? I don't understand how you've arrived at that solid, concrete. Because conclusion. they would be pretty fucking stupid to delve, go go ahead and delve three levels deep. If one more level down, they'd hit limbo. I mean, does not seem kind of risky. I mean, how is it any more risky than? And if we the die other thing this, is, well, but what? level, we're going to limbo. Yeah, but I don't understand. He's already taking massive risks. It just there's nothing in the movie that says they never say. There's nothing in the movie that says that you can't go to limbo by going deep enough. Like if you were to go into a deep enough sleep, and yes, I can't disprove state, your theory that that, that there's no evidence. That's what I'm saying. There's yes, no evidence to support yours. The Why? evidence says that you die in a in a deeply sedated dream, you go to limbo. There's no evidence okay. that says you can just keep dreaming deeper and get so to limbo. You're, which so is you're why going I'm to saying make something up. No, I'm not making up. I think it's it's shown in the movie that, that Dom that Cobb and Mal die twice. Okay. Once they died under deep sedation to get the limbo, what they did not know was gonna happen. Sure. And they killed themselves afterwards to get out of limbo. Just like Saito and Leo. Just like Saito and Cobb do at the end. Which okay, that blows my mind how and, – and, and my theory is that you are stuck in limbo and limbo is a very disorientating experience, which is another reason why I don't think level four is limbo. Because uh, Dom and uh, uh, Adrian <laughs> – god damn it. Huh? Ellen Page and Cobb yeah. knew exactly – they had no memory problems down there. They were not disorientated. Um, sure. They operated normally. And I, to me, yeah, that's another uh, they reason. Were, that they were all awakened. Here's the other thing. Kicks aren't supposed to be able to get you out of limbo. I mean right. if a kick got you out of limbo, then exactly. what's the – Exactly. People – yeah, you could just be kicked out. Risky to limbo when you can kicked out of it. Yeah, like like basically, if you're stuck in limbo, then the other people would wake up and they could just tip your chair over and you'd be out. Hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. So it's like to me, the evidence points the fact that he and again, Chris Nolan doesn't do anything by accident. According to these interviews, we're, we're seeing leak out by the actors. He showed them dying two separate times. Now yeah. you can show them you, dying two separate times at the same time. You can explain the fact by saying, well, it's a dream world and they're seeing different projections and he does fuck with you a little bit about like showing people's mirror images being different. Yeah. But I do think yeah. the fact that he shows them once dying is young and they sh- and, 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 and even the dialogue that they use like was really weird about, you know, you you hear a train, you don't know where it's going, you don't know where it's to take you and mm-hmm. you're kind of afraid, but it doesn't matter because we'll be together. I think that was like that was like what Leo said to her to get her to try the experiment in the first place. Yeah, and then they arrived at Limbo, and I don't know. This is stuff that's speculation, but they arrive at Limbo. They're disorientated. They're confused. They don't know what's going on. They, they still think they're in a dream. And 
you know, years and years and years and years pass in his dream world, Leo somehow realizes that it's not a dream and his wife Mal refuses to accept that and that's symbolically shown by her subconscious locking away her totem. You know, like throwing away the key to the prison and, and, and so then he goes and searches it, probably takes him years to find where that's at in her subconscious and flips that idea around. Which again convinces her. I think that the only way to get out of limbo is to somehow f- ground yourself in reality and figure out that it's a dream, and then you kill yourself, and then limbo just becomes it's now structured dream space. Man, I find that hard to believe because they're they're talking about, like you said, how crazy and disorienting and maddening limbo is. How is Dom to figure out? But the, he did. That's in the movie. He said, like it, he said that. The fact that it was unreal and it, like it was fun at first, but then the unreality crept in onto him and drove him crazy, and he had to get out. I mean, somehow he figured out that it wasn't real. I mean, so it's like my theory requires a little bit of guesswork. Here's a, but here's a, a couple of... things. Like, first of all, I I didn't necessarily think when they showed those flashbacks of them on the tracks as old people that it was t- saying that they had died twice. Because they were holding themselves in identical positions, it was just like letting the audience in on the fact that they, in fact, had been in their the equivalent of a lifetime together. Um, I, I I think there is some important- that's possible. I, I I can't find any flaw with that except for it, my and theory yeah, tells us something about limbo. It, right. And here's the other thing. Did you guys ever notice? That at the end of the film, when Leo's character Cobb is sitting at the table with what's the what's the guy's name? Saito. Saito. Okay, Saito. He's sitting Saito. there at the table with Saito, Saito, and Tomato, Tomato, and he is looking him in the eyes across the table. They're doing their little. They're saying their their thing. But did you notice how his eyes were like? completely black i i did it kind of was freaky a little bit <laughs> i think that i think it's just because eyes were absolutely i think he no, had i thought so at first too. i no, thought dude. i, I, I think thought at first no i because i, uh, I mean, listen listen his pupils were his like entire eye was pupil <laughs> and i think that's an important point i no, really did because especially since it's not based in reality if you go watch it again that's a certain trick of the light, but then when he shifts his eyes, you can see that his pupils are fucking dilated because it's a dark room, but you definitely can see his iris and all that. Yeah, I, I felt I watching it. Yeah, I did feel that they were extremely creepy, but I also felt that it wasn't unnaturally so. I felt that it was like a trick of the light. I saw the same thing, but then when he kind of shifted his head and you could see it into the light a little bit more, because he's got really dark brown eyes, apparently. And he's in a dark room, so his pupils are big, but not like, you know, unnaturally dilated. But as, as, the other thing we need to talk about are what I feel are the two, like a lot of there's a lot of debate about whether the whole movie's a dream or not. Mm-hmm. Um, we're arguing about now what Limbo is and how many times they visited and all that. But it sounds like we're all in agreement, which surprises me because um, I didn't hear what Peter's what what made him kind of shake his faith, but. There's two things that are, I think, indisputable as far as what Christopher Nolan has given us as, you know, anchors to what we can anchor our sense of reality in. One is the totem, 
which is kind of clumsily explained in the movie as a way to determine whether you're in someone else's dream or your own dream or not. But Lee, but Dom and or Cobb and the Mal used it to detect whether they were dreaming. Period. Um, and when that thing falls, the implication is you're in a real world. When it stays spinning, you're in a dream world. Let me. See and the you. other thing is, before you do, dispute you. that, I just want to lay. I just want to put throw out the final anchor oh. and fire away. The th- second anchor is Cobb wears a wedding ring in every dream sequence. When he's in the quote-unquote real world, he is not wearing a wedding ring. Yeah. And that, if you believe the real world, like the, that, the level, that the level zero is the real world, it is absolutely consistent. Every scene taking place in reality, he is not wearing his wedding ring. Every scene taking place in a dream level, he is wearing his wedding ring. Yeah. And the other, I've heard people disclaim that as saying, well, that's his attachment to Mal. But uh, after he blows her off and he's down in Saito, Sato's uh, limbo. limbo, he's still fucking wearing his wedding ring. Yep. So those are the two things that I think are the most important kind of groundings in reality that uh, people have to either explain away by saying, well, it's all in a dream and then nothing makes sense. But then... You know, you could say, well, there's, there, I could say there's an invisible, there's a pink unicorn that's an invisible pink unicorn that's in every scene, too, and you couldn't disprove <laughs> and that. that. Brings me to my final point of evidence in every scene of this film, there is a pink unicorn, and it's in the background. <laughs> <laughs> there's one I, other one I actually that do is have a, a third one, yeah. Th- there is a third say. one that we talked about last night over ping pong, uh, if you want to talk about unreality. But um, are you talking about the Mal? Yeah, how, yeah, lay how that she, out for us. If you notice, Mal is not in any of the scenes that are portrayed as reality. She is not found there. But actually, there's a fourth one too, which is a little shakier. Where okay. people say, Mal? "Let's finish this." Let's finish uh, this. Mal's his wife. Yeah, okay. and, and she is she in every dream sequence. The only sequence that she's not in is the training one, right? No, she's in every one of those. The too. first training it's, one. No. Although, yeah, they never she, leave. They're they're still in that one. Right, right, right. Uh, she the only one that I can think of that she's not in is the layer one of the first Sato Gambit, and opening the movie where they first start off in like the Asian fortress. Then they come out of that and they're in like some kind of South American yeah. banana republic. I don't remember her being in that level. But every other every other dream sequence in a whole movie, every other level, she makes well, an appearance in. She's the one that screws things up in the very opening. She's yeah, there. no, no, she's in there. But I'm saying she's not in the second next level. I was just trying oh, to be. I thought she was. I'm pretty sure she was. Maybe she. I, I, maybe she's in the crowd. That'd be kind of creepy. <laughs> but I do know that she's in every single time. That every single time they go into a dream world, she's in it. And then in reality, she's nowhere to be found. Not even a reflection. Not even a shadow. Not even yeah. the sound of her voice. Right, yeah. I, so that's I almost that like was... a third third totem for the audience. And his kids, are, his kids are nowhere to be found either in those. Yeah. Um, he talks to them on, on the, phone. the phone one time. And people were saying that she, the girl that he talks to, sounds a lot older mm-hmm. than the girl uh, actually that's was so, in the film. That's so subjective. <laughs> I agree. I agree totally. Because I'm sure Dakota Fanning sounds like she's 40. Right. Whereas... Right. I don't know. A regular girl off the street sounds like she's two. Right. <laughs> Dakota, Dakota Fanning it? sounds extremely mature. She's like a really good actor. Anyway, um, the, the, there was another one that I was going to say. Um, when they're in the dream states, they actually show um, other scenes that Dom is not in. 
that are dreams. Like, if, if you were going to say, well, the whole thing is Dom's dream, shouldn't he be dreaming from his own perspective, not from the perspective of, like, let's say, Arthur and Ariadne when they're training? No, not at all, because uh, the subconscious mind creates these independent agents. I mean, we see... Yeah, independent- but... Yeah, uh, I understand what you're saying. Like, for example, we see Ames go around doing a bunch of stuff solo, all by himself. Um... Yeah, why with, would with Dom why on would another Dom level of that? consciousness? Why? Yeah, that doesn't that you, that's a good that's a that's not the strongest, but sure, it's it's, not it's more evident. strong, but it's yeah. Just put it on the pile. Well, I mean, how can you have taxi drivers driving around a city and people with guns shooting? You know, <laughs> they're doing all kinds of independent things. Yeah, but that's and because that's the, the subconscious. That's because that that's all okay. There's the other thing I think that you got to understand about the dream world is. You know, there's the dreamer, and that's never the target. The dreamer is the one that's actually taking the plan that the architect makes and making it a reality by constructing the dream space. Then you've got the target who his subconscious is pulled into that world, and if you do your job as an architect right, he won't realize it's not his own dream. So his subconscious moves around and acts as if it's just a normal dream. So all those agents, all the taxi cabs, all the stuff are subconscious projections. Right, and what I'm saying is that all the other characters would be subconscious projections. No, no they're actually they're the dream machine. Yeah, they're actually uh, free agents. They're not right. projections. I, I understand that's how, but you know that's what the movie's telling you. But I'm uh-huh. saying that if in fact they were all, you know, it was all taking place in limbo, then the subconscious mind could create those other characters. Sure, uh, if it's I all guess. one giant dream, yeah. But, like, for example, Peter Fisher's dream or his subconscious, I doubt he knew anything. I mean, obviously he didn't know what the other characters were doing. <laughs> but here's, here's what I'm saying. You don't – when w- you dream, you don't dream from other – Yeah, and I'm saying like, if, like Cobb, if it was Cobb's dream, it would be like he would be the same as Fisher, not knowing what was going on when things weren't taking place right in front of him. Yeah, and he would also be the one who was – being shown the entire time because you're not yes when you dream you're not dreaming about what george bush is doing at the moment yes you're dreaming about what you're doing and what is happening around you right and that's that's like i said that's that's not as nearly strong as the other three pieces to me the totem and wedding ring are unassailable um or at least you you have to you have to pretend that they don't exist or they're a figment of your dream imagination and that you know christopher Rotten nolan's just fucking with you to make yeah, it but work nolan really does and, fuck with you doesn't he no because he's not the, he's like he's, he's not, not that type of director that's not saying he couldn't start but but yeah. the other thing is mal mal is a pretty good line of evidence too well First of all, and also, it's like every stuff. other dream is like he's breaking glasses. Like I would like to see some him being in that bar with what's his face, and someone in the background break a glass. Then he have to draw attention to it. But like he didn't do any of those things that happened in the dream world, and the things that he did do that said were consistent, um, like the wedding that were consistent, like the wedding ring and the totem, point to it being reality. I never noticed the wedding ring period in the entirety of the film. Which is shocking because yeah. it is presented to you me very. And, clearly. Me and Jim both saw it, but we weren't clear, we weren't clear on the last scene, and yeah. we finally did uh, on the second. We both watched it with hawk-like and 
focus and we, <laughs> we verified the absence of the ring. And the other thing is my other solid line of evidence is at the end of the movie, we can all agree that the last thing we see as before the camera winks out is the totem wobbled. And you hear it. You hear it begin to falter. You, you hear it wobble, and you see it wobble. And to me, that's the last. Like, yes, it is ambiguous, but it's almost like Christopher Ryan, Christopher Ryan, Christopher Nolan winking at you, saying, "Yeah, yeah." I mean, he's, he's leaving it. That's the thing that I actually kind of like ultimately about this movie is that it's so ambiguous, and we can have this discussion, and we can't say, "No, you're blatantly fucking wrong," because this, mm-hmm. this, and this. We can say, yeah. "Well, I see your point. I just don't get that." And here's what I get from it. And then, and that, oh, well, I see your point. It's just, it leaves so much open to discussion and thinking about it. Indeed. And that is awesome. I think that's what artwork yeah. should do. It so, should be open to interpretation and be interactive right. with the audience like this movie was with us. Now but, let me ask you this, uh, Peter. Why did you fall out of favor, or have you fallen out of favor with the whole movie's a dream theory? Well, I'm st- starting to fall from that lofty throne of mine because... <laughs> And let me let me begin by actually deconstructing something that you were actually on my side about, Aaron. And that's uh, this whole idea that you cannot access limbo from a machine, or that you can't that it would be stupid to get to limbo after three levels. Uh, initially, I was right on board with that, and I think I was proposing that before any of you were. But it's led by everybody. The machine that they went to rig to him in the James Bond snow level. They were rigging it up to a guy that had died and gone to limbo. No, so, they did not rig it up to him. Yeah, it was he wasn't attached to it. Yes. Yeah, uh, sure they, they all had to be attached to it, didn't they? Everybody didn't, that shares anything has to be simultaneously. Yeah, but I didn't think Fisher Fish absolutely wait, had to be. I, I thought they made it very clear that he was unconnected to the machine, and that's that's no, what he had to be because he no. was in that next layer. Yeah, but he wasn't awake through it. She yeah. just threw he was he she just threw him off the ledge. Did he actually talk to him? No, he was moving around and stuff. Did he, he really? Yeah. I can't there's another thing that I need to verify in the third set setting cuz I thought he was disconnected and that 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 my theory on that was that Mal as a projection of his subconscious basically kidnapped Fisher. And then going down another level into Leo's subconscious was there to free Fisher. And then simultaneously from him, them freeing Fisher, the other guy's going to bring him back to life in the dream. And that was going to somehow bring them back together. As I recall, the guy was hit. He was struck. He was dying and bleeding on the floor. And he finally died. And they hooked the machine up to him knowing that his state would be limbo. I didn't think they hooked him up. And the other thing that doesn't make sense is why. So maybe you can join Limbo as long as you're uh, as long as the object. Because they didn't hook up um, Sato to the to machine play. either. Well, what I'm saying is that as long as the host is in Limbo, perhaps you can then share the Limbo experience. No, I think everybody would share the Limbo experience if they were actually in Limbo. That's why well, I think not, that they nobody were. else though, shared that. They were they maintained their levels. Well, yeah, because they didn't die. Yeah. I don't see any evidence. I see you guys presenting possible things, but I don't see any solid evidence to say that you can get the limbo just with the machine. Because that's because limbo is the definition of limbo is unstructured dream space. The machine provides you structured dream space. Uh, what happens when you hook it up to someone who's in limbo? I don't think. Uh, well, I, I'm, I'm not ready to admit that Fisher was hooked up, nor was Sato. But well, yeah, I know Sato was hooked up to the machine. Nobody but ever died. Well, 
Why? About How do you Nobody know? ever it, says it, it, that. It, well, first of all, if they're hooked up to a machine, you should be able to see, you know, the thing on the wrist, and yeah. and also I believe that him because what's his face is that planting explosives, so he wasn't there in the room, and I thought I just saw him, her, and Leo hook it up to themselves and go to sleep. I don't think I, I didn't see him hook it up to Fisher. Maybe I'm wrong. I can't remember. The but I'm pretty sure sequence. they didn't hook it up to Sato. I mean, in the absence of them, you seeing them do it or seeing it with it stuck on his arm, I don't think you can say that he did. And and my theory is that Leo stayed on the fourth level just to avoid riding the kick back yeah, because I died. think he actually got the limbo when his body on the first level drowned in the car. That's a really good theory, and I like that because the only two people in limbo were the people who drowned. Yeah. And... I just find it really hard to reconcile that with everything else. Yeah, I never thought. I agree, but which is, I think maybe a third viewing is in order. But I, like I said, I, I have problems with that theory too. It's just the one that seems like it's got the least amount of holes. If if you stick to, you only get the limbos to die in deep sedation, and the fact that he showed. One interpretation is that they showed Dom and or Cobb and Mal dying twice, once to get in limo, once to get out, and they show Leo and Sato dying and, and they not make being it brought a point back to actually show them not getting out of that van. Yeah, yeah, they make it a very big point. Yeah, and they're all like, oh, and, and they're like, oh shit, and he's like, no, he's going to be fine. And then him and Sato basically, the only way to get out of limbo is to realize you're in limbo and then kill yourself, and that's. You actually see as Sato makes the connection and they both make the realization, his hand drifts towards the gun. Reaches for the gun, yeah. Which is... No, it doesn't. Does it really? Yeah, it does. Oh, totally, yeah. Yeah, it does. Yeah, they it does. they close up on it. It's yeah, you see his hand obvious. move from the... You see his hand just slide and he almost makes it to the gun and the next thing you see, uh, Leonardo's opening his eyes. Which I'm pretty sure. I think you said that they they cut in, they they blur focus to him with his eyes open, implying that maybe it's a dream. You don't remember how to get there, but I actually think I saw saw him like, you know, no, wake they up. They never do that. They do not show that. I don't all. know. You've only seen the movie once, and it was like over a week ago. <laughs> what no, do you think? It was, it was I, Sunday. Uh, they do not show that. I know that for a fact. They do not show him opening his eyes slowly in the plane. They they all they do is they cut to him in the middle of being awake in the plane, and I thought that was very creepy. That might be a way to be a, 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 another way to be ambiguous, but however, it doesn't really violate the rule of you don't know how you got there because we saw how he got there. We saw every pot. We saw him <laughs> arrive at the airport, get on the plane, sit down. I mean, we knew exactly yeah, how we he got there. Fisher go to the airport. It wasn't and, mysterious at all. Yeah, like yeah. that's the other problem with the real world is. There are very solid chains of how they get from place to place. They took a train to to the hotel, to the el- to the helicopter, to the airport, to Africa. I and mean, if you notice, yeah, I was going to say that they go all over the world. Yeah, in what's supposed to be the real world. Right. In the dreams, they're confined to just a city. And, and they always say you know have house. no idea how you got there. If it yeah. was a dream, you would not be able to. Re- how did you get here? Remember, and, and think hard. The, how did you get here? The I, dreams I don't. are something that people have to design themselves. Yes. And so they're by necessity going to be smaller. Yeah. Because they have to make mazes, like right. they were saying. Yeah. The so buy X because the whole world to where they can travel around in it accurately Mm -hmm. it would not make sense yeah to me it's very i'm i'm uh, each passing day i think about it i've abandoned i i I think it's got to be that the ending was real um again it's like you can say that it's all a dream but then you just got to start 
willy nilly casting aside the dream world the world rules and ignoring the totems and ignoring the wedding ring and just and that's fine because I think one of the one of the biggest messages at the end is you get to choose what you believe. Because he started to spin the thing and he was wanting to make sure it's real, but then he saw his kids and he's like, fuck it. Oh, and and there are things throughout the movie that are thrown in there to make you question whether or not it's real. Indeed. Like and- when uh when he's talking to his father and his mm-hmm. father says, Come back to reality. Yeah, right. I mean, that's obviously that's definitely, there to make you think it's a dream. Right, right. And there's a lot of people in the forums, but that's like, uh, to me, I think it's, I think there's more shallow ways you can, you can analyze a movie. And like to sure. take the movie and say, that one line is the only important thing. <laughs> and ignore the totems, ignore the mouth, absence of mouth, or of mouth, ignore the wedding ring is very, is a pretty shallow analysis of the film. But yeah, I still, have, Peter, have you mind. still, have you still said why you don't believe that they're in a dream yet? Why I don't believe they're in a dream? Yeah. Um, because it's it's becoming... Well, I never said I didn't think the whole thing was a dream. I said oh, I that you did. the entire... Now, the crux of my argument, though, was that it's, an, it's entirely a dream because of what Cobb said. And the yeah. rule on Limbo going there was that you get really deep into a dream state, then you kill yourself, and at that point you're in Limbo. Or and if then you just it, die, you don't have to kill yourself. Yeah. Or die. Yeah, right. Now let's run that back just a little bit to when he was telling the story of him and his wife. What's his wife's name? Mal, I guess? Mal. Yeah. It must be Mallory, but they called her Mal. Okay, so Mal and Cobb are together exploring the boundaries. And as he calls it, he's constantly pushing her. She doesn't yes. necessarily keep going. But yes. he is pushing the limits on how yes. far you can get in a dream state. Right. And during finding how deep, she asked him, well, how deep did you go? And he, he gave the equation, because I guess each layer is 10 to the 10th power of the layer above it. Except so you have, for the, and under, the dri- under the powerful drug, it was 20 times. Right. So it's even so, worse. <laughs> weren't they saying it could be like a thousand times in limbo or something? Well, they said that like they, they did the math, and he goes, I bad a math, but she said that at the bottom level, it would be... Uh, okay, they they never said it limbo, although Cobb said that he was there for eighty human years, no, fifty human no, years. No, didn't when she said she said at the at the bottom level it'd be ten it'd years. Be 10 years if, yeah. No, if they if they missed the kick, but in the but, and level, they they thought they that was bad up. enough. So in the third level, they if they, if they had missed their kicks and nobody died, they'd be there for ten. Years. They'd be there for ten years waiting for the drug to wear off. Yeah, um, right. but I was going to say in the snow level, right when they were about to go into. Limbo, the fourth layer of the dream, whatever mm-hmm. you want to call it. Um, didn't Ames say, or Eames, I don't know how you say his name. I think it's Eames. Uh, didn't he say that it w- it could be like a thousand times? We don't know. Yeah, I, mean, I think I think no one really knows a lot about really what Limbo is like yeah. and, and how much. Because I think Leo at one point said Limbo is like the, the time completely breaks down. So it could be fluctuating. It could be... You know, dependent on what you're doing down there. I mean, it's just like you lose all concept of, of yeah, that. It's kind of like going into a black hole, just reality. The laws of physics break down. So in my opinion, thinking of it that way, limbo to me was like a time, like time being compressed down to a point of infinite, you know, the infinity of a single point. So right. you compress time completely, then... Uh, 
even a nanosecond in reality to your mind in limbo would be eternity. Yeah. And that's why it was so dangerous, because your mind can't survive that. Um, my whole point with the limbo thing in the first place was that what happens once you reach limbo, I always thought it was a separate state. But in fact, if he did inadvertently take him and his wife to limbo when they killed themselves for the first time, then they shared limbo, but then killing themselves gets you out of limbo? Like, if that was the case, then they never really specified it. If you I go think to limbo, they the way out is I think they made it very clear in the final shot with Saito. That you get out of limbo, but I think the additional wrinkle is you have to realize you're in a dream. Yeah. For it even to occur to you to kill yourself. Because I don't think many... (laughs) You know, I mean, that's the thing. It's like you... That 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 bolsters my theory about they kill themselves to get in the limbo, they kill themselves to get out of it, but he had to convince her it wasn't real first. And that's the idea he put in her head. Um... So I still don't understand why. So do you still to this day uh, believe that everything was a dream, Peter? Uh, not necessarily. And what I again? Think what you... the hell is the thing that shook you from this belief? I still do. You still do you understand what that is? <laughs> <laughs> not not particularly. You, you, you keep starting to explain, and then you go off onto a tangent <laughs> that has nothing to do with why you don't believe in the theory. <laughs> Well, I'll I don't. tell you why I don't believe in God. One day I was walking along and I got a lollipop. Have you ever had one of them rainbow-flavored lollipops? Oh, they're so good. Cherry and banana. But anyway, the reason I don't believe in God... <laughs> I don't know. My mind's blown right now. Yeah, I really don't know what to believe. <laughs> I, think it's cool. I think it's cool that you don't know what to believe. Because you know what? I'm in the same boat. I'm, I, I see a lot of things on one side. I see a lot of things on the other. Yeah. The only, the only feeling I have, and it's really more of just a feeling than any kind of logical argument I can present, is they spend too much time building up these rules, building up this system, getting everything in place to show you this heist. And then to, they spend an hour, an hour and a half of the movie doing that, and then to just shatter it all by saying it's a dream. It's all the a dream. The whole thing's a dream. Don't worry about any of those rules we made up because – he could have made up anything. He could have made up people are all have five assholes on their foreheads now <laughs> and whatever. And they're oh, all no, I don't think it makes a high pressure. That's what I felt I, like coming out of the movie the first time. No, here's the difference, Jim, is that he didn't make all those rules for nothing. It, just because the whole thing was a dream doesn't mean the rules for, were for nothing. And I'll tell you why. Because the rules were believable and necessary for the audience to know what was happening while it was happening. And at the end, they can then be discarded. It's like the husk, you know, that you discard to become a butterfly. Uh, and I, do, I, I, I kind of like, yes, of and I do like that theory because it's exactly what they were doing to Fisher. They were giving him all those layers of bullshit to believe just so that he would take the idea that they implanted in him. And there's kind of a symmetry right, to that. Maybe, I agree to Jim yeah, the inception that is on the audience. <laughs> uh, it's it's more of a feeling because I almost feel cheated. Like he's yeah. just misdirecting me off into one area, saying this is the path, take this path, and then there's a path behind me that I didn't even know existed, and he's saying, Well, that's actually the path you should have taken. Sorry. 
I know I told you all these other things. Yeah, it's a, it's kind of it's, it's kind of like we're making a leap of faith that Christopher Nolan wouldn't fuck with us in that way. I mean, he's clearly fucked with us. Yes, throughout the it, whole movie, but, he but he's done. You he's playing way, fair. Yes, and I feel that it's unfair. He doesn't necessarily play fair at the end because he doesn't give us a resolution. Yeah, he it does. I think he does. If, if, you, no, if you pay attention, does. you look at the wedding ring. You look at the thing. The, the fucking thing starts to wobble. That is to me open. I mean, like to me, I'm not. I've got 100 percent faith that it happens <laughs> in the real world. However, this limbo stuff. This is where I'm really, and and here's the thing: I think the answers are all in the movie to these questions. Like, if you watch it enough, you can you you can figure out the all the minute details. And and I hope Christopher Nolan doesn't do a Ridley Scott role and say, "Well, of course, uh, uh, Decker's an android." That will piss me off if he ever weighs (laughs) in definitively about it. I will be pissed because I think that he does have a definite. He has a definite idea of what really happened in the movie, and I also mm-hmm. think that those answers are there. And the only way that the answers are there is if the if if the evidence is consistent. See, I I disagree with that. I actually think <laughs> <laughs> why I would figure you would be on board with that 100, percent Jim. No, I totally disagree with that. I think the film works as a leave it up to the audience you determine what you want i've sent you equal amount of clues in each direction so to leave interpretation with well within the scope of reality yeah uh, but i think i, I think don't one... like him sending me off with everything the movie says in one direction and then take and then saying sorry you went the wrong way which i don't think he did and that that's why i have that feeling well that i, I kind of from an artistic point of view somebody who tries to write their own stories i i appreciate the the ambiguity and the openness and if it was truly designed to not give you conclusive evidence to prove either point if that was how it was i would think that was a beautiful gesture that's pretty cool i mean because again it, it it makes you gravitate as an individual person toward what your more preconceived ideas about reality are which is you know, basically telling an audience your reality is your own creation, which I believe it is. Because all of us every day take preconceived ideas and we, we treat each day, ba- and some of us act on reality based on preconceived notions that aren't necessarily provable, you know. And it affects the way, you know, maybe I believe something that's not objectively true, and maybe it has no bearing on the real world at all, but my behavior is a real thing, and it is affected by my belief, which may not be. Sure. And I think that's pretty cool to actually create a movie that that talks about that. Okay, do we have any more lines of evidence we want to discuss? Because I also want to briefly talk about um, the other popular theories that have been floating around. Before you do, because I want to hear them, because I haven't heard them, I have to say this really quickly, because this does not have to deal with the answer of the movie, but it pissed me off, and I want you guys to help me out here. Okay. The hotel level, level two, uh-huh. was spinning around after the van started to fucking spin around, correct? Yes. Okay. Like Matrix style, right? Right. Where there, yeah. was, no, there was no no actual gravity anymore in the hotel because on the layer above they were falling and there was no gravity. 
They're in free fall, right? Um, that is an amazing idea. First of all, I thought that was pretty badass. However, why wasn't the Goldeneye level <laughs> and the levels below that spinning around and out of control? Because uh, they did have a throwaway line uh, where they Everybody say was that. In the van. Where they say that levels like the, like phenomenon one level happens the next level, but then it gets weaker and weaker. For instance, Saito being injured, right? And he also says when when they, they hear like in the first dream when they hear like a and and they they're like, um, is that he goes? Is, I think he said, is that on the train? And he goes, no, that was too close. Think saying that actually for was in the next dream level up, and you didn't understand that the first time you watched it because you had no idea what the fuck was going on. But I think that See, I have a problem with that too because what about the music they played in the headphones? That was played the level above them. No, but everybody heard it, right? Right, because they put yeah, on the dreamers. It, if they put on the dream, remember no, it's no, a no, dreamers no, they, world. True. Did, well, no, he heard in the second dream layer in the hotel the music that was playing on the headphones of the people who were awake. Correct? No. In every case, they slipped the headphones on the dreamer. They hit the button, and everyone in the dreamer's world hears the music. And then that's their cue to put the headset on the next layer, layer of sleep. Exactly, sleep. yeah. So it did, yeah, it so does that makes sense. I think, I think makes it's sense. like each layer is a buffer for the layer between it, you know? Well, that may be true, but how come there was an avalanche in the James world when, they, when the van hit the edge of the bridge? Uh, I thought, no, the avalanche wasn't caused by that. It was caused by what was... Could, well, they were trying to make a quick way to get to the thing, uh, yeah. to get to the building, because they were running out of time or whatever, and they said they wouldn't make it. And he was like, can you do anything? Right. Um, but I thought that was just for, like, the tunnels. But I guess conceivably it could be for the I avalanche. Thought that's, no, I thought that's when he blew up the Humvee on the treads is when the avalanche happened. It seemed to me like the avalanche happened out of the blue, and it could have been sequenced with the. Well, I, there's the third. There's definitely something I need a third viewing because I thought I, I remember seeing that, but I clearly I can't remember what it was. But I remember thinking the second time I saw it, oh, that was connected to why, whatever. But the the thing that's interesting about gravity is, I would think it would propagate more because, like, okay, so you're weightless, you're totally weightless, and. The reason you're weightless in the hotel is because you're weightless in the level above, right? In the van. Right. So if you're weightless in the hotel, wouldn't you also be weightless in the level below it? Or does the dreamer have to be weightless? The dreamer that was of my level. thing. I think it's the host that's actually the host of the level that gets the biggest effect from the level above it. Or maybe the only one that really... Gets get, maybe they're the perpetuator of the effect on their level. Yeah, that's viable. Um, Although seems... Arthur was weightless, definitely, and yeah. he was the one dreaming the hotel level. Yeah. Um, right. Who, who was dreaming saying... the third level? Fisher. No. Um, or Eames. Eames was the dreamer so of the second, he... third level. Where was he at that time? Was he in the hotel with them? Yes. Okay. His, so his he unconscious was also body. His unconscious yeah. body was, but he was also weightless. Yeah, so shouldn't they have been weightless in the? No, because I really think that again, the music doesn't go down a past the certain level, and neither does the phenomenon. I, I think no phenomenon goes it, like it is. It's there's there's the the top level affects the level immediately below it, but no levels below that. But you see what I'm saying? Like 
he's weightless in the van, so he's weightless in the hotel. Yeah. He's weightless. He's then weightless in the hotel. Why would he not be weightless? Because because in, you got to understand that each level of dream <laughs> that thinks that the, the, the thing the things a layer above it is the real world. Okay, but he's still weightless in the hotel as a result of the van being. <laughs> but the, he's weightless. the dreamer. He knows it's a dream in the hotel, whereas his real dream body is being affected in the van. It makes sense to me. <laughs> I understand. I don't think that makes any sense. It doesn't it, make any it, sense. It's, but no. it's consistent. I understand you saying it doesn't make sense, but it is consistent with how the movie portrays it. I don't see how it is. I don't. I don't see how you've justified its consistency. I just said that the music never penetrates more than one level down. None of the booms or shakes or lightnings or rumbles makes it more than one layer down, and apparently neither does the gravitational fluctuations. They don't propagate. I did hear an interesting theory um, with Leo washing up on the shore. Uh, yeah. Don being on the shore, yeah, uh, and saying it was all his dream. Because if you notice, in like all four levels of that, you've got what you could consider waves and or water. You've got in the van, obviously, the ocean and the water coming in through mm-hmm. the windows of the van. Mm-hmm. The hotel, um, you've got the glass and the rain outside, like mm-hmm. his glass of water yep. at the bar, the rain outside. Yep. Um, in the snow level, you've got the avalanche and, well, all the snow. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of interesting, I thought, but I don't know how much. The other thing I saw is that supposedly Leonardo has been slightly aged in the third level, or in the, in, in the Sato level. Yes. Which I think yeah. I actually do think is is he's he's he looks older than he does in the rest of the movie, which makes total sense. Yeah, because he hadn't been there for as long as Sato, yeah. but he had been there, you know. For a and while. he he yeah, <laughs> it taken him a while. Yeah. Well, he so. it doesn't show how long he's been there. It just shows him washing up on the shore and then being dra- drugged into right. Sato, right. supposedly gets- by Sato's subconscious. Yeah, so I don't know who was bringing in. Yeah, subconscious, his his agents. Here's the wild thing. You want to hear something else crazy? Yeah. The beginning of the film, when they show virtually that same Dom meets Sato in the room at the table sequence. Yeah. I don't think the back of the old gray man's head is different in the first scene than it is in the second. I think in the first scene of the film, he was going to meet himself. And in the end, he was meeting Sato. I think you've dropped off the edge of the earth. Firmly planted in the loony. You've dropped off like your audio quality. Yeah, what's that Skype cut you off, man? We couldn't hear anything. Come back. You've gone too many dream levels down. Come back up here, Peter. (laughs) (laughs) You know what would be so funny if we edit in the sound of the music here? (laughs) That would be awesome. The spinning, wobbling totem. Yeah, this is your cue to come back from the dream world. I think we need to have um, talk about some. We talk about some of the other theories I've heard, or some of them I actually came up with and then discarded. Yeah, let's go ahead. Yeah. One of them was that the plot was actually an elaborate inception on Sato that he should clear Cobb's name. That that's a variation of everything is a dream, <laughs> except for the very end scene. That they, yeah. they they did all this and staged it just to give Sato the idea to set Mal to set the set Cobb free. But that goes against. So much yes, it does. <laughs> but it, I actually thought that was kind of a cool idea the first time I saw it. Sure. The other thing that I was almost convinced after the first thing was that Ellen Page um, was Cobb's grown daughter, working with her grandfather to try to determine whether Cobb really did kill her mother. 
which I have to say is a very cool theory, and I like it, but totally not. And I actually, the first that five minutes cool of, the first five minutes of introducing her, I was convinced after a second viewing that that's dead on. But then it started as I started paying attention. It, it really didn't make sense. The thing that was interesting that you pointed out to me after first viewing was when she goes into the anniversary suite. Oh, she for. Like, why did you bring her here? Yeah, she doesn't say, who are you? She says, why are you here? Yeah, yeah. Like, Which, yeah, like that's true. And that's one of the reasons I thought that was true, because it's like, that makes perfect sense. And then she got mad at, like, like you know, like, at Dom's like, why did you bring her here? Like, why did you bring our daughter? Uh-huh. You know, you could read it as that, but I just don't think there's a lot of other evidence that it's against it. I, yeah, they I dropped this bomb. She felt betrayed she, because he had a, he had yeah. a woman with her. Yeah, yeah. With her. She dropped... He steps on the same exact glass as Dom does. Yeah. In, in that level, which is pretty interesting. Right. Is there any meaning to that? Maybe. I don't know. To, to say that, yes, I am related, you know? Could be. But I still, there's a couple of reasons why I didn't think that was the case. I don't know. Um, mostly because she seemed to be a lot more. If, if she, she didn't act like her daughter, like just out of curiosity, seeing what her dad was up to, she'd seem to be a lot more directive in, in, in therapy terms. Um, the other idea I heard was that I heard this really complicated theory. Have you guys heard any that Sato and is Mal and Mal is Sato? <laughs> no, I have not. No. And How can that be? I don't know. I, I can't remember the. Ju- I wrote it down, thinking I would not forget the justifications, but I, I didn't. Re- I, I've, I've turned out forgetting it. I also heard a really not possible though. Is it? They're shown in the same scene in his dream world. Like they can't be the same person, right? Yeah, they're shown at the. The other theory the about uh, another theory I heard was that Cobb is stuck in the. The labyrinth world, the uh, limbo. limbo. He's stuck in limbo, and the movie is about um, Mal trying to rescue him. And that sounds that sounds good, except wow. for if you realize that every time we see her talking with Mal, she's not trying to get him to kill her himself. She's trying to get him to stay there in the dream world with him, her. Yeah. So to me, that I mean, it's a very cool sounding theory, and it fits some things, if, especially if you're the he's stuck in limbo mode. But the fact is, every single time we see her talking, uh, she's number one out of her mind. She doesn't act like the same person in the room, and number two, she's always trying to get him to stay there with her. Uh, with her, I just have a real problem with any theory that kind of builds worlds around this movie. Yeah, like this the, that you, that you're trying to take stuff out from the movie. Yeah. Um, the, the other one that I found was really interesting, and this could be true. It doesn't affect anything that we talked to this point, but that, that the movie works as an allegory for about how movies are made or how Christopher oh, yeah. Nolan makes the movie. Because, and, and the way I saw this explained was like Dom or Cobb is the like worker, the hard work side of making movies, and Mal is the inspiration. And that the temptation is to, and the ch- children are representative of the final product, huh. the, the movie actually being made, and that that's what you want to get to. You want to, all you want to do is to make the movie, but along the way, the creative side of you is always wanting to dick with it, 
and it's never wanting to let go, and it wants to stay in the dream world forever, and it doesn't want to buckle down and do the hard work, and wants to keep dicking with the editing and dicking with the script and doing all this stuff. And if as long as you keep down there and stay in that creative space, the movie will never be finished and never be made, and you'll never be able to see your child. That's kind of interesting in regards to Christopher Nolan spending ten years working on this movie. Exactly, kind of, and, and like how, what editing, and the fact that the, the movie started off as a horror film. Yeah, and really? then he decided to make it as a heist, and I was like, "That's like I could see him like three years into it thinking, you know." And I guess he 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 fucked with this script forever, um, and that's why I'm thinking that the answers are all there because he spent rewriting and rewriting and changing and like all these things are rippled up and down through the dream worlds i think that there is a good solid answer to all this it's just you have to study it and watch it and it's so funny because the set when we both walked out on the second time we thought well i guess there's not as much movie to that there's not as much of that as we thought because we were just thinking in terms of is the movie real or is it take place in dream world i think there's a hell of a lot to this movie it's just all in the details. I think there's a lot of. It's a simple story. Metaphor. Yeah. There's a lot of metaphor. There's a lot of different things going on. The, the interesting thing about that comparison to the movie I've heard, um, like the film as movie making, is I've actually heard each person in the movie described as a different part of the movie making process. Like Saito is the money man. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, right. Because I, I when the I architect watch- is like set design. Yeah, and, and, producer. Yeah. yeah. Uh huh. And uh, like Dom would be the director if that were whatever. Um, right. And then Eames is like the actor because he's impersonating people. I've heard uh, just everybody. Oh, in wow. The film yeah, well. I saw that same theory, but they they focus on the Nolan as Cobb, and actually uh-huh. the Nolan is Cobb and Mal because when she says in the the one honeymoon she goes, "Do you have any idea what it feels like to be half of a whole?" That like that creative side of him versus the, you know, stick to itiveness because you have to be both as a director. You have to be intensely creative, but you also have to have this focus and vision. And that those the, right. that that like you're right. Everything else is everything is, is in the movie making yeah. process is illustrated by a character in there. But yeah. he, the director, is that dual persona. And I think that's where a lot of the confusion comes from as regards: is this a dream? Is it not a dream? What's going on here? I think it's just simply him trying to convey this metaphor of movie making and all the similarities there. And in the process, he's done things that inadvertently could make you think that this is all just a dream. When in fact, it's a rather straightforward film, I think. Yeah, agreed. And, and, and there's just things that are thrown in accidentally that coincidentally have this representation of it's all a dream. I don't know well, if it's I don't, coincidence. I, think I, don't it's know if it's not, I think it's by design. I yeah. don't think it's coincidental at all and i do yeah, think that I, the answers I, I, sure, sure. I do i do think the answers to chris nolan's vision is there it's not like he's not like chris carter on hey, i'm not necessarily sure that it is he's not david cronenberg he's not david lynch i think he's i think he's got the answers there and they but the thing is is like if he's smart he'll never tell and yeah. the, per, the one person, like, you know, there's going to be one person on the internet that has it figured out and he'll never know for sure <laughs> because yeah. no one's ever going to tell. Uh, I think that he shouldn't ever tell, but I, at the same time, kind of like the warring vision between cr- creator and, and, uh, and, and the other half of your consciousness. Oh, when I, yeah, I, really, when I read that theory, I, I really, I really want him to tell and at the same time think it would be poetic if he didn't. Yeah, but at the uh, same time, too, 
I, I kind of desire him to tell very strongly. <laughs> and the one thing that I, that was interesting about my viewing, because there's a big denial of the audience at the end when he doesn't definitively show the top one way or the other. And, he at least and it's fun to watch out the audience, isn't it? Oh, because it, it's, it's, like, it's, like, it's the only collective moment of like where the all, whole They're audience all on the edge is just like seat. gripped and, and, and like just yeah. by like, oh, what? You yeah, know, there's an yeah, exactly. at the end when he doesn't show it, when it fades to black, everyone goes, oh, oh, like, yeah. Yeah. And, and knowing that that's going to happen. The second, second time, is yeah. glorious yeah. at the end. Oh, I bet. Everyone around you is like, oh, no. Yeah. I want to see that from the outside because I was just experiencing it the first time with everyone else. Yep. And it was just, it was a cliffhanger, nail-biting on the edge of your seat. Oh, is this very up-in-the-air movie going to be definitively and stand definitively on anything at all? Here it is. Oh, it fades to black. What the hell? Oh, my yeah, God. Right. And yep. I really felt pissed and like, off. It, and the and thing that, is, like, if he had held that shot ten seconds longer with it not moving at all and just spinning and then faded black, you'd say, oh, it's definitely a dream. It, yeah. And if he had shown a fall, it's definitely real. But the fact that he <laughs> ended it quarter second after it began the wobble yeah. was like the, oh! Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It was, it's a great – I think it that really, it's been a long time it, since I can remember a film generating that. this much debate. Even the Matrix yeah. didn't generate this much debate. Uh, I disagree with oh. that. Really? But I guess that's more debate than I'm generating uh. now. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, uh, someone give me a kick. <laughs> yeah, really. Ready for my kick? Let's I, go I ahead never... and launch out of this dream. Well, there were a couple things I wanted to like just talk about really briefly, like things. There's I going to be an outro. Jim Jones will drone on, and you not know where he will be going. <laughs> but it'll be okay because the because the cast will be over. <laughs> um, I, I thought it was cool on second viewing how much more I noticed Leo being fucked up. Oh because yeah. The first viewing through, I just like you see the major scenes where he's like in the bathroom and he's like shaking and putting water on his face, stuff like that. But he's always interrupted and he composes yeah. himself again really quickly. Right. Um, so you didn't really feel the full impact. I, I was slightly disappointed that Leonardo didn't really get to showcase his chops as an actor very much in that film. I mean, he kind of, it was like an ensemble cast. Everyone kind of had their part to play, but which is, I guess the movie metaphor, but, uh, he, he didn't really get to unleash the beast that is Leonardo DiCaprio. Well, I mean, I think he acts, I'm not a huge DiCaprio. Oh. Fan, but I I'm think he. I, I really liked his performance in this one because the reason I liked him so much in Inception was because his 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 performance was always appropriate. It, mm-hmm. it met the sure. expectation of the scene he was in at the time, with one exception. And here's the exception: I really thought it was some, and I think Nolan or whoever did the editing of the film did a brilliant job here because I don't think Leo was taking it where it needed to go and that's when he was at the edge outside the building and he had just saw his wife commit suicide because she was so fucked up. Really? Oh, I think that was perfect. I, I that thought was, that was weak. The amount of shock, oh. outrage, and grief that came across in yeah. one second was the most I was blown away. I was. I felt like someone I loved had just jumped yeah. off the cliff. Wow, yeah. really? Totally. Yeah. I, 
Wow. Even on second viewing, I felt that way. Yeah, I said same way. I, I looked, and you see, you see it twice in the movie, and then seeing it. So yeah, I, it, it's. I think it's amazing acting, and I also I think thought it was, that I thought it was kind of weak. At wow. no point did he indulge in overacting. You're right. Like I just want to reinforce what you said that he acted the perfect amount. It's like what they say in Team America: World Police. You know. Uh, I've never seen acting that good. I mean, it's just really, really well done. It's very like I always thought. Like when I heard him be uh, called this generation's De Niro, I'm like, okay, people, calm the fuck down, simmer <laughs> down, folks, simmer down. But after Aviator, after Departed, after this, uh, I'm actually really, really. I mean, the man has not made a single misstep in his career that I can think of. And and we're also thinking that I, I there's only like two or three parts I can recall him not being deranged in. Yeah. Like like that Titanic. I guess catch me if you can he was he was crazy too. He Well, not really. He, he was, was the, no, he had a, he had some mental problems. A some, little bit, but not to the degree of like Shutter Island. <laughs> no, 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 no. But like, uh, there's only been like two th- films that I can think of him being in where he wasn't just completely bat, you know, some 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 type of batshit crazy or disturbed. Yeah, so. he's always got some kind of high emotion in his films. I yeah. just didn't, I didn't appreciate, and maybe it's just because I'm coming off losing people on my own, and I know how deep that really is as boss. Um is that when she fell off that cliff, I, w- I wasn't really f- feeling it. It didn't feel legitimate. And it was, he, they always cut him off right when he says Jesus. He well, says, yeah, he says Jesus Christ. Yeah, I, I actually like that because... It's... It says Jesus, and, and then it cuts to black. Right, It snips right at that moment. I think that was a good cut because I don't think he was... I don't think if you let that scene, that moment, last any longer, it was going to have as much impact. Yeah. I kind of agree with that, yeah. I agree I with that, too, and I don't know why that. then you're saying that it was not a good scene, because I think that the emotion was powerful, it was well portrayed, and the editing... Again, Christopher Nolan can fucking edit. I mean, it can, he can he can Does edit he actually, a film. Yeah, the editing... The I mean, editing. I don't know if he, I actually don't know if he does or not, but whoever you know who does else this, can edit George Lucas. Man. <laughs> oh, God, he's the op, he's the anti Nolan. <laughs> yeah, if he and Chris Nolan ever shook, shook hands, the universe would explode. <laughs> Matter and antimatter. So, I don't think Nolan's that good. What are you no, saying? About- no, no, I'm saying that Nolan. He is like the everything in everything in his movies matter. There's nothing that's just thrown away. Like Batman and The Prestige and Memento, there's not a wasted scene. Where George Lucas, in the prequels, 60% of the fucking film is a waste. Oh Why are we talking about George yeah, Lucas I don't know. in the same fucking sentence we as need to, we, need to, we need to this is, No, let, let me, since we already compared Nolan to George Come. Lucas, let me compare him to who else? That maybe even... This is the Ron other... Jeremy. No, you've got a, a comparison to George Lucas. Obviously, George Lucas sucks balls compared to what Nolan's doing today. But prior to Inception coming out, people had made this comparison, and a lot of people said, no way, Nolan's not nearly on this level. But after watching Inception, I think he's starting to... I know, to, I know oh, which director you're thinking. Say it. Uh, what what level? The level of the directing, I think he's approaching, having released Inception, is... Um, Fuck me up the ass. Stanley Kubrick. Stanley Kubrick. Thank That's you. That's what I was going to say. 
I've heard yeah. Hitchcock, but I don't. That feels wrong. But then I saw I saw someone compare him to Kubrick, and I'm like, that's exactly right. Kubrick he's headed, is more he's like headed to, He's headed to Kubrick Laville. He's in that direction. This is the first film that that stands up to a Kubrick film. This is the first one I've actually felt like um, was on Kubrick's level because Kubrick is the height of filming genius. genius. Yeah, for sure. However, like I think if he continues to be allowed independent projects, then he may actually get there because everything up until now hasn't really been a subject matter Kubrick would have ever tackled. Kubrick yeah. never did Batman. No. You know, no. That was beneath him, you know. Well, Doing- no, he did Doctor Strangelove after all. I mean, he, he he wasn't all... Yeah, but that was not a comic book hero. You no, know, but I'm was- just saying that he wasn't... Like, a lot of people paint him as one-dimensional. Like, he only did these, like, somber, off-the-wall, you know. But, like, Doctor Strangelove is, is not only wicked political satire, it's fucking hysterical. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, it's very funny. I mean, he did comedy, he did science fiction, he did fantasy, he did everything. And he did it in his own unique style, which is why he's so well-known and such a genius. I think we have the makings of our generation's Kubrick, and I really hope that is a true statement because I want to see more films like this one. Okay. Uh, One other thing I thought was cool, two things, I guess. Uh, One thing that people question a lot is how... The kids are like exactly the same in the early scenes and at the very end, which is not true. They're actually two years older. Um, if you look in the credits, it credits one daughter and one son as being three years old. It credits the others as being five. So there are two years that Dom was gone um, out of the country. 18 months to two years yeah. is what I'd say. And hmm. uh, also, I thought it was cool that they mentioned specifically that it's military developed technology because. Mm. I'm pretty sure that's how it would happen in the real world. Right, right. It would definitely be something where they would simulate killing people in reality. I also loved when we were watching the credits, and at the very end of the credits, they played the Wake Up song. I really thought that was a cool... Yeah, it's like like for the audience, like, okay, it's over. Time to get up. (laughs) Time to go to the real world. Yeah. I love that touch. That was a great Maybe that's the final bit of evidence that the whole film was a dream. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> then who the fuck is waking up at the end us are we Cobb? oh shit uh, no. i don't know i the movie is great it lit my it lit my brain on fire as i said yeah yeah i loved it because i I mean when's the last time a movie's made you think this much i can't Matrix. remember yeah like you like, remember we were talking about in geek bliss it's like we were waiting for something to set our imaginations on fire Mm-hmm. Like Avatar yeah. didn't quite do it, and all this other stuff. The last like, shitbender didn't do it. The last shitbender sure. surely didn't do it. It's like maybe once every ten years, a movie comes along to rock your socks off. I that's how. That's, that's what it takes. Yeah, I, I'm going to have to go see this again. I, I really want the movie at home so I can watch it like a hundred times yeah. and become like a scholar. I and might be like, looking for a not at all illegal copy <laughs> on a <laughs> reputable file sharing. Uh, soft site. <laughs> Mark it's my not words. even out on Blu-ray yet, Aaron. I think any copyright <laughs> is illegal. Oh, well. it, it will but definitely be a huge both. DVD seller. That's for sure. Oh yeah, oh, I think it's going to be massive. Yeah, yeah. I can't far. wait to see the bonus features. Like again, I what I want is like kind of like they did with the Matrix treatment, which in a re- retrospect didn't really stand up to the scrutiny, and maybe this won't either. <laughs> but I would like to see them take like. Ten foremost philosophers, yeah, and and okay, maybe two or three philosophers, dream scientists, two or uh, two or three um, 
like people like Roger Ebert or you know like sure. film film critics and students and a couple others like of you know like you said a couple like neurologists or something and have like a I just want to see them tear this movie in like just yeah. pick its bones clean because there's just a lot yep. of stuff to, to, to uncover there that would be amazing yeah indeed okay well, well do you guys have probably. anything you want to add or is that it time to kick it all right let's kick ourselves out of this dream world all right uh, here we go in reality, we do have an iTunes account, and we are listed in the directory. And uh, you need to wake the fuck up and put a review on there because we are dying here, people. We need reviews. Yeah, we're stuck. We, we've only got five, albeit five-star reviews. Yeah. We could use a couple more. And three of those are from me, Aaron, Peter. <laughs> yeah, what's it going to do? Is it going to kill you? Come on. Um, Actually, I haven't rated us yet. <laughs> oh, oh motherfucker. Okay, nice. well, there, we can at least get to six. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I will do it if, if everyone listening will. <laughs> it's packed. Uh, if you do have any questions or comments, you can email us at blueyonderatballmove.com. Uh, oh, mama. Or check out our forums at www.ballmove.com. Or you can call us up on the phone at 1-800-528-491. With that said, I'm Jim Jones. And I am Peter Street. And I'm Aaron Hubbard. Ciao. Chagrin, mes plaisirs, je n'ai plus besoin de balayer les amours avec leur trémolo, balayer pour toujours, je repars à zéro. Yeah.